Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to In Transition, the podcast that explores the practice of content marketing in government. My name's David Pembroke, and I'm delighted that you've decided to invest some of your valuable time to spend with me today. Content marketing is a strategic business process that involves the creation, curation, and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content designed to meet the needs of a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen or stakeholder action. It's a modern approach that combines the power of strategic communication planning with the distribution of online and offline channels. Well, today we head to Washington, D.C. to speak with Scott Burns, the CEO and founder of Gov Delivery. Scott, welcome to In Transition. Thanks for having me. Scott, give us a little bit of the, the background story of Gov Delivery. Certainly a very successful company that has been helping government to tell their stories since way back in the year 2000. Thanks. You know, it's, it's been quite a journey since then, and it's a long story. Uh, you know, when we were first starting out, the idea of governments moving online was considered revolutionary. And we were part of that initial transition. And what we saw was this kind of effort across the U.S. here to put local governments online. And the idea was just to get City Hall online. And a lot of times you'd go out to websites back then and you'd see, um, you'd see sort of the, the different departments separated out on the Internet. And everyone was very excited when they got all their PDF files up and everything else. But there was a wave of companies that really struggled to capitalize on making a sort of significant change in government. And we took a different approach. Rather than thinking about you know, putting websites together and other things, we were, from the beginning, thinking about how we could do things in communications uh, and technology to help government actually get better results. And so the earliest sort of genesis of the company was actually working with the city of St. Paul, our home city, where our our main offices, our largest office, St. Paul, Minnesota. And the big issue in St. Paul, Minnesota is snow emergencies. And what we did with the city is just um, start pushing out alerts of snow emergencies by email as soon as they were published. So everybody could you know, move their car off the street, do the things they needed to do. And that's evolved from you know, the, that sort of initial work in 2000 to serving now 1,100 different government organizations all across the U.S., across the U.K., and even a couple of the, the main EU organizations in Brussels. And what we found is that sort of initial fundamental need that we were serving back in 2000 has become one of the main areas where government can drive value with technology and communications. And that's really, you know, that concept of reaching a lot of people and getting them to do what you want them to do. It started out reaching a lot of people and getting them to move their car off the street during a snow emergency in St. Paul, but now it's uh, getting people to get flu shots, adopt a child, do other things. So we've become a major distribution engine to generate a lot more traffic and awareness of the content that government's sending out to get it into people's hands in a more timely way and to use it to drive action. And that's really the, that's the history of the company. We have a couple of other interesting uh, things we've done and expanded into, but our main role continues to be generate a lot of audience 
and reach that audience with content and get people to do the things government wants them to do. So what's the process that you use to assist government to drive that action? You know, it's a, it's a mix of a process and a technology. So, you know, the main, the sort of core business of government is a technology platform. And the platform, when a government chooses to use it, basically connects with the government's website and allows anybody who's visiting that website to sign up for email updates and text alerts. And that's an important step for a lot of agencies. Now, if you go out to any government website around the world, you're going to find social media, sign-ups, you're going to find people uh, promoting email newsletters that they can sign up to. So, you know, that basic capability within our platform is nothing that's particularly special, but it's an important fundamental capacity that government has to put up online. Just allowing people when they're interested in something to tell you who they are, tell you how to reach them, tell you what they're interested in so that you can communicate with them in the future. You don't have to rely on them coming back to their website. And then the second part of what we do is create offering all of the tools. Once you have that sort of data of who's interested in what, all the tools to get information into people's hands when it's available. And for us, that's a mix of, of two things. One is a lot of automation tools within the software. So we can actually watch websites and databases and um, social media feeds and get new information out from those channels as soon as it's available automatically to the people who are interested. And then we also offer a lot of, uh, our clients are using a lot of tools to just draft, uh, create, and send really beautiful communications when they need to. Sometimes a government just needs to tell people that the bus is late or the event is canceled. But sometimes there's a more strategic objective that warrants a lot more formatting and design, and we make that possible too. So it's sort of a mix of just notification service right up to messages that would compete with the most impressive marketing messages in the private sector. And at the moment, as you're going around having your conversations with not only your clients, but potential clients, what do you see as as the major inhibitors to government going further down this path of being able to create, uh, curate and distribute their own content? I think that the main inhibitor is, is a little different than, you know, some people think the inhibitor is just uh, realizing the power of the technology or the fact that these things can be done or working around some bureaucracy or something like that. For me, it's something a little bit different, which at least in, in the US and the UK, which I think have made some amazing advancements in the creation of content and putting it up online, the major hurdle to me is defining what success means. So our clients are increasingly the, the ones that are most successful uh, are defining what success means to them in clearer terms that then, then can be measured as they start to pursue a content marketing strategy. And you know, in the past, it was just getting information into people's hands or distributing press releases or, or just uh, publishing something. And now, as you think more strategically about what you want people to do, you actually, I think, make uh, better decisions about how to use content marketing well to pursue that objective, to pursue actual results and action rather than just distribution of press releases out of your communications effort. And when you have that action in mind, you're going to think a lot more strategically and sensibly about how to use the most modern content marketing approaches and digital marketing approaches to be successful. Would you say that that traditional approach is still dominant within the clients that you engage with? 
I think, you know, I, I love the I love the title of our discussion and, and your series of in transition. You know, we see a, a wide disparity. And you know, we're working across uh, primarily, you know, across the US and the UK and across those two countries, there is just an extraordinary disparity between the folks that are having the most success and those that are probably still taking on and doing things in the old way. Um, so I think there is a transition and it's actually interesting. It's a very similar transition to what's happened in the private sector. The private sector used to be much more focused on PR and you know, PR continues to be important and have a role, but the fact is that a lot of the communications don't have to go through a media filter anymore. And in private sector, uh, marketing and communications has transitioned to being more results oriented. You know, it's about what kind of, of dollars can I generate out of my marketing and communications efforts. And because that's more measurable now, that's how private sector companies pursue their strategy. In the public sector, because things are harder to measure, I think there are there are a good number of agencies that are still stuck thinking that you know throwing their press releases up online and sending them out to a, a couple of press lists is their best solution, and that really limits uh, their ability to take advantage of storytelling and sort of a, a more of a marketing funnel oriented approach to getting work done. So you know they're in transition. Some are amazing, some are really struggling, and we could talk about you know. Uh, some of those that are having the most success. Okay, well, let, let's do that right now. Tell us a couple of really good stories that are going to inspire the audience to say, right, today I'm going to get into content marketing. Well, you know, I, I, I would start with, I, I get the most excited about what's happening in public health communications. So both uh, at our, all of our clients at the local level, the, the uh, regional level, and the central government level, we see really extraordinary work happening in public health. And one of the reasons I think they've, they've been very focused on content marketing is because it is such a critical part of getting the job done. So what we've seen, I'll talk about CDC as just an example, the Centers for Disease Control here uh, in the US. So CDC was very early getting into social media and starting to get content up online. And when I, when I originally talked to them, they had a, at the time they had something called the National Center for Health Marketing. And what they said was, we're very concerned as information is more prevalent, that when somebody goes and searches for information on vaccines online, that they could be pulling up a video from somebody who doesn't believe in vaccines. Maybe it's a, you know, a chiropractor who uh, believes vaccines cause autism. And that's something there's no there's no public there's no scientific evidence for that, but it's a commonly held belief on the internet. Well, CDC wants people getting vaccines. That's a major part of their mission. And so they started doing two things. They would put up a, a flu map actually talking about how the flu was spreading around the United States regionally, basically getting that basic data out there. And then they created different types of valuable content, you know, posters. Uh, email examples and other things and different content that doctors could use in offices and uh, that they could that the CDC itself would send directly out to the public through email and other channels talking about um, how the flu shot doesn't cause autism, how the flu shot doesn't cause the flu and how it's really an important preventative measure. And that storytelling combined with the drumbeat of information was incredibly impressive, served them well, and then when H1N1 hit, which is still it's kind of ancient history now, but when that outbreak hit, they were very successful 
calming the public and explaining the actions people could take. So at the federal level here, that's the example I, I like the most. The CDC has been brilliant in content marketing. I, I love the way you, you refer to it as the drumbeat because it, is what you're saying that they were very consistent with the way that they were publishing their content? That's right. You know, and sometimes I think, you know, we can we can aspire to some amazing content marketing, you know, where we're going to put out an infographic or a white paper or an incredible video or something else. And that plays an important role. But a lot of times in government, it's just about getting the right information out at the right time in a format that people can understand. And in their case, that was just a map of how the flu was rolling out across the country. It wasn't very exciting. It could have almost just as easily been a table with some numbers on it. But that started the drumbeat and allowed them to insert um, a, a little more dynamic storytelling on top of it. Um, so that, yeah, it is, it is about consistency and then knowing when it's time to sort of raise the game in the storytelling to, to complement this consistency with a little more direction. Have you got any other examples there? Of that, that's a great example. How about you give us a, share another example of one of your clients and, and the way that they're using storytelling and basically taking on this opportunity, which content marketing is, is to really be your own media company, to, to create, curate and distribute content, going back to that def- definition at the top of the program, that's aimed at engaging and informing to driving citizen action. Um, you know, I have... Uh... I have a lot of great examples. There's some really fun examples in local government and regional government. And, and um, I would use one from uh, Southampton Council uh, in the UK. Has been really consistent, very good design, very consistent design, and very consistent messaging around the events going on uh, in Southampton. And uh, they've done a very good job of measuring that people who are getting the messages that are sent out are actually showing up to the events in greater numbers. And by creating that sort of connection with the, the content marketing they have going on, you know, both informing people, but also providing some more dynamic content, you know, more detail on the events, pictures, stories, other things. And then by measuring that that, that, that storytelling and that drumbeat of information is resulting in more people showing up at the events, it's created real momentum for their organization and investing more in, in content marketing in other areas in Southampton, whether it's and, and some of the areas that they've expanded into are like generating volunteers, you know, city cleanups, that kind of thing. Um, so they're a very good example, and we see uh, really good examples in our uh, park service, which in the states here is managed at the at the state level. And we work with we work with the uh, park services, which we call the departments of natural resources, and in uh, over half of the the states that have major departments in that area, and they've been very good at at um, using information about you know fishing and hunting and parks and other things, um, and doing a really good job with that. But then complementing that with um, actual like fee based services that they want to promote. So they have a real need to drive people to buy fishing licenses and you go out and use the parks. And so one day you'll see them sending out messages uh, with a fish or a record, you know, a record fish or a hunting trophy or something. And, um, you know, a couple of days later, you'll see them promoting that there are a lot of extra openings in a particular park or that they want people to buy fishing licenses. So it's that sort of sensitivity between storytelling and then knowing when to really push people towards a particular transaction or objective that to me is the most impressive thing we see with some of our clients. 
Yeah, it's 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 the Gary Vaynerchuk jab 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 right hook theory, isn't it? About value, 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 and then hit people with an ask. And I think that it, it works just as well for uh, government agencies as it does for. Um, business to business or business to consumer clients. I think there's some real value in that. And, I, and I, I, again, I love the way that, that you're putting the emphasis on measurement and evaluation around the programs that you're putting in place because you really do have to have that structure in place if, in fact, you're going to be able to develop the numbers that you can walk upstairs and sit down around the table and have the argument with the people who've got their hands on the budgets. Yeah, you know, the, the, um, we, I heard somebody recently here, you know, there's been a lot of emphasis over the last couple of years in, in, in the, again, in the two countries we're doing the most work in, the UK and the US, there's been a lot of emphasis on apps and agility and technology, you know, creating things fast, getting it up and running fast. And um, I heard somebody who's been involved in that movement say that, you know, they're, they're moving from apps to ops. Um, you know, applications to operations, and for Gov Delivery, it's been it's been a move from publicity to programs. And, and when I say programs here, it means you know you have a program to promote fostering. Uh, we're going to help you with that. I'm not interested in sending out. I, I really am not in this in this work to help the secretary of an agency get uh, better publicity for a one-time announcement on a fostering program. We're doing the work to actually get more parents signed up for fostering. And I've just been really excited when our clients transition from thinking of what of digital marketing, digital communications, content marketing, when you move from thinking about that as a sort of overhead function that's associated with PR to thinking about it as an enabler to your mission and to your programs, uh, you're winning because you can get budget, you can expand, you can get support. And ultimately, you just get better alignment in the organization. So, you know, it's, it, it is it, and measurements at the heart of that. You have to know what you want to accomplish, and then you have to measure it, and you got to engage your organization in, in the fact that those results are meaningful. So what what is your advice? Because, again, that's, a, that's another great insight because I, I think it is fair to say that, that, you know, the content marketing push and the drive is going to come through the communications area uh, in the first instance, but the success is, as you say, being able to integrate it as part of the day-to-day delivery of the value of the program, which is obviously looking to either you know, strengthen a particular part of the community or improve the well-being of a particular group of citizens. So what's your advice to people as to how do they drive it closer to that program area so as that the program people can see that, hey, this is really valuable, this is really useful for us, and it's not just a job for the communications people and the graphic designers and, and the others who are just over there in the publications areas? Um, I, I hope I'm, I'm going to try to come up with some simple advice because to me this has become, this has become one of the most important skills for a communications professional is how to explain their work and their alignment with their colleagues in a way that resonates so that they can get the support they need and so that they can be of real value. And I think it starts with a very simple shift from uh, sort of talking about communications as a function to looking at programs and finding out what matters to them. So if somebody's, so the best communicators we see in the public sector will walk into a program office, and instead of saying, you know, when can you send out the next press release, or how can I help you with your newsletter, or what are your communications needs, 
they say, uh, what's going on in the agency and what are the five most important things you need to accomplish this year or today or next week? And, and that's not a communications question, but the fact is in most agencies within government, if you ask that question, you will find out what matters the most. And in more cases than not, you will actually find out that communications and building a better audience and a more engaged citizenry will actually help advance the program or the office or the department towards their goal really quickly. So if you, you put it, you ask the big question, what really matters here, and then you align communications against it, rather than walking in and saying, here's how we can help you from the communications office. Um, does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That's that's a really good tip. So let's just run through that again. That's it's it's what it's about is going and asking the simple question about what is of value to the program area. It's not what I can do for you, it's what what is what is your need. And as you say, what will tumble out of that is the need then, as you say, to build uh, to build an engaged citizen, in, in build uh, build an engaged audience. Which therefore, how do you do that? Well, ultimately, you're going to do that by being consistent, by understanding what that audience needs, and creating the content that answers their questions and adds the value that those program people need in order to deliver their service. That's right. You know, you're aligning against, and it's so easy to do. So, you know, if you're a marketer in the private sector, it's so easy to do this because you walk into the, you know, the sales department or the CEO, you know, the chief executive, and you would say, um, you know, what do you need? And they say, I need revenue. And the marketing team says, I can help you get revenue. Um, it's a lot harder job in the public sector. You know, you have to go in and there's a, there's a more uh, probative kind of process, more iterative process. Because I think we, we know this from working in the public sector, that a lot of times there's a real legitimate debate about what an agency or an office or a city needs to accomplish in a year. And you might ask this question five times and get five different answers. And so um, you got to kind of go around and, and find out first what's the consensus on what are the three most important things here. And then as a communicator, I propose how I can help you achieve them. Okay, so that's tip number one. What's tip number two? Um, Tip number two is, is I think articulating the uh, articulating this sort of concept we, we like to talk about as the communications funnel, the results funnel, and um, how you're going to measure results. So, so in a, in the private sector, you know everybody's used to thinking about this concept of a marketing funnel. You get people interested in your product, and then you drive a certain number of them down the funnel until they actually buy your product or your service. In government, once you know what's at the bottom of the funnel, you can start to align the metrics, and then you set expectations with people that we're not going to measure. We're not going to measure nerd metrics only. We're not just measuring clicks and opens. We're measuring results. How many people buy a fishing license, or how many people volunteer? And if you um, have set clear objectives, then you kind of pitch this funnel concept to folks, and then you start really tracking. Number one, how many people are we reaching on this information? And number two is the content we're putting out actually driving people from awareness to action in the way we need to. And you just hammer over and over again on the metrics behind that funnel and how they're resulting in the objective everyone agreed was important. So it's really about that funnel concept and then measuring results against it. So if we say then, and I like that one as well, again, we're going back to metrics, we're going back to measurement, we're going back to making sure that we can prove 
that our content marketing, be it our video, our audio, our stills, our text, our graphics distributed across whichever channel we decided was the appropriate way. Um, We've set in place our objectives and, and what we're going to measure here. And we're putting in place basically the evidence, which is going to build more credibility, hopefully, in the eyes of the people who are delivering the programs. But let's say that we've now successfully done that. We've asked the questions and we've understood exactly where the pain points of those program deliveries areas are. And they've said to us, okay, yep, that's, that sounds like a pretty good solution for us around the content marketing. We've had the discussion then around the metrics and we've agreed on what they are. How then do we go about creating that type of content if indeed we haven't done it before? If indeed we've come from an area that are used to, you know, graphic design of printed publications, uh, producing talking points, producing frequently asked questions, producing media releases, how do we go about acquiring the skills and the cultural change um, that needs to take place to take us from being a a service organisation to being a publishing organisation? You know, um, that is a terrific question. And it's a, it can be a, a fairly long transition, but I think it happens in a few phases. Um, the, first, the first thing that seems to work well for our clients, which again, you know, there's a big variety in the public sector. So you're dealing with everything from, you know, police departments to public health to the local park and everything else in between. Um, the Department of Defense, you know, these are vastly different organizations with very different kinds of content and stories are already um, built up within them. But the, the thing, the first stage we see, we see uh, people taking on is just looking at the content they have today and starting to just um, slice and dice it a little bit. So making it a little more digestible in more modern channels. So I'll use an example. Uh, we have, uh, there's an agency I just talked to a couple days ago that spend a million dollars a year producing a magazine that goes out to 6,000 people. It's a print magazine. And it goes out, I think, monthly to those folks. So I, I, I would argue that maybe that's not the best return on investment. But I started to look through that magazine that they've been creating. It looks very traditional and everything else. But if somebody with just a, a small amount of sophistication in digital channels would be able to cut that magazine into pieces and um, use it really well in the digital arena. So that's one example is just kind of looking at, you know, looking at press releases, looking at pictures and other things that are already resident in the organization and just starting to use those things um, in, in a few different ways and try them out. And if you put metrics behind them, then you don't have to be the most creative design person in the world to be successful. All you do is you, you start putting your toe in the water, trying some different things, cutting up the content you already have, see what's successful, and then double down on the things that are generating the most interest. So for me, it's, you know, uh, get your toe in the water first and then measure and iterate. It's, it's the new way of doing business for almost everybody and government uh, can pick that same technique up with a lot of success. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. A, a couple of episodes ago, we interviewed uh, Jason Miller from LinkedIn and he has this approach, what he calls the big rock Uh, approach to content marketing. And effectively, it's about producing exactly those big rock pieces of content. But then how do you break up the big rock into its component pieces 
And then which particular channels do you then distribute parts of the content that you already have in place? And then how do you sustain a program around the big rock? And I think that the opportunity for content marketing in government is such that there are just so many great stories that are sitting in government that are just waiting to be unlocked and told in a way that people want to receive them. And I think they'll take the content as long as it's uh, produced in a form and distributed through a channel that, in fact, they want to consume that content. That's right. And, you know, um, it, it varies, as you, you, know, as you suggest. Um, we do this work on a massive scale. So we've been doing this work for a long time. We're very good at helping our clients build their online audience. And we now have 100 million people receiving updates through our system from government. And we see across those 100 million people, and it's 30,000 new people on average signing up every day across our 1,000 clients, um, we see we have the data. We know uh, people are interested in what government has to produce and what government has to say because it's, in many cases, the incredibly relevant information. And we actually find um, that... When we talk to our clients, you know, it's interesting, but if you're within an organization, sometimes you think, you know, gosh, I wouldn't want to put that out there. Who's going to be interested in, you know, who's going to be interested in the flu map or who's going to be interested in this? Well, it, it might seem like uh, everyday news to you sitting in the Centers for Disease Control, but very often there's a very large audience for this content and, an, and a valuable audience if the agency is willing to put its toe in the water. And the other thing is I think agencies overthink the design standard they have to reach. You know, nobody expects a government agency to design an email or a, a video like Victoria's Secret might or like a major retailer, another major retailer might. Um, government can just go out there with a, a picture of somebody fixing a road and say, you know, here's a guy at work fixing your road with your tax dollars. And that can be a very popular content marketing piece. It's a lot different than a supermodel. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think the other point around this as well is, you know, my, my big theory is really around the world, you know, we're getting so narrow now. People are now curating the content that they want to see around their specific interests and needs and wants. And so therefore, it's a, you know, the broadcast age is over and we're now very much into narrowcast. And I think that really suits government because often in government, the communication is, is very narrow because it is going to a specific niche audience. And therefore, understanding who that niche is and then giving them what they need is a real opportunity to connect and to be able to create value uh, for the government and, and, and to create equity out of the decisions and the money that they spend. That's right. You know, and, and, the, and the mission is vast. And I think, you know, if you, if you spend time sitting in a, you know, a city government office, uh, you, can, you can over-invest in trying to think through every, you know, target audience you might have. And in the old days, sort of before the internet, before all the, you know, expansion of all these digital tools, I think government spent a lot of time, you know, with the sort of analysis paralysis, wondering how to communicate, and you know, the mayor's office wanted to control everything. It's sort of a, a phenomenon we have here anyway. And and now, all they have to do is, you know, get that, get those online properties up, get a small presence going in YouTube and Twitter and other things, keep people up to date with the most relevant information going on, and then let people actually, when you can, let them self-select. So. Uh, we have a number of, of organizations we work with that, you know, they put up 
uh, they let people sign up for updates, for example, by email or text message, but the most important thing in doing that is to let them choose at a very specific level what topics they're interested in, so you get those narrow cast sub-segments. We've moved people from yeah. like the city update to my neighborhood crime report, and that is a very different yeah. uh, type of information. Yeah, very interesting. Well, congratulations on on all your success and your leadership in this space. This is uh, it's been a great conversation. I know real value to the audience because again, this is a very narrow audience who we're talking to people who are interested in content marketing in government. Listen, just before I, I do let you go, and I want to be respectful of of your time, the. The language and the description of content marketing in government, do you find that there is any pushback around this word marketing? Because often I hear people say to me, oh, it's, it's, you know, marketing. Government doesn't do marketing. Well, government does do marketing. And I'm, in fact, not going to change the language at all. And I'm not going to change the description. And I think we really need to align our efforts around the fact that content marketing is this strategic business process. And it's relevant if you're business to business, business to consumer, or if you're government to citizen, it's exactly the same thing. It's just got a slightly different purpose. So do you see that there's any pushback there in the areas that you're operating about government being involved in marketing? Um, you know, uh, I see some pushback. I've seen a little more acceptance of that word over time. And I, I commend you on your commitment to it, because I think there's no, unfortunately, um, you know, there's not a better word for what we're trying to do. You know, there's a, the, if marketing's a bad word in government, then we're just, we're defining it too narrowly as the sort of marketing of products like books and widgets and whatever, because I'm not marketing, I'm not helping our clients market products or a new pair of shoes. We're helping them market vaccines and fostering programs and better programs within the schools and reading to your kids. This is the, we're marketing things that can help people change lives. And to be honest, you know, we haven't found a term that makes as much sense to people as marketing. We're all so used to being marketed to, maybe we feel like we're over-marketed to, the term's a little negative, but when we actually walk our clients through it and talk to them, they fully embrace it. I think if you're, you know, standing up in front of a group of 100 people, maybe it's got a negative connotation and, you know, someday maybe we'll have a new word. But I think we just have to call it marketing and then explain. It's about marketing things. We talk about empowering government to make lives better for more people. Um, if we're using marketing to accomplish that objective, I'm proud to use the word. Yeah, exactly. And the mission of our company is to help government strengthen compute. Uh, to help government strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens through effective content marketing. So, again, it's the same thing. And one of the other things I, I think there's benefit of from a government point of view uh, to a private sector point of view, that if we align our efforts around one, a particular process and a description of a process, then it's going to be easier for people who have worked in government for a while to then go across to the private sector and say, Look, I've been working in content marketing. I've been, you know, marketing vaccines, you know, as you were saying before. So I think if we can get some alignment around the terminology and some acceptance about what it exactly is, um, then I, I think we'll be in much better shape and there'll be lot, lots of benefits to not only the, the clients in, in, in government, but also those in the private sector as well. So there you go. There's a bit of a rave to finish off the program. So ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Scott Burns from Gov Delivery doing 
amazing things there in the United States and in the UK around content marketing and government, really understanding what the audience is looking for, understand un, those unpicking questions that Scott mentioned, I think, real value there and the measurement and evaluation and always putting yourself on the hook for some kind of objective measurement so as that you can build credibility around the efforts and the investment of taxpayers' money. And that's what we're talking about. We're investing taxpayers' money. So you have to go the extra yard to measure and evaluate how effectively you are spending that precious resource. So Scott, thanks very much for joining us in transition. Good luck with Gov Delivery and expanding and continuing to move wherever you're going next. And thanks very much for joining us in transition. Thank you. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.